Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Pruna podcast, a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. I'm your host Dikjay and today I have with me Aditya Kulkarni, co-founder and CEO of Stoa. Stoa is an edtech startup that is building India's alternative to a traditional MBA. The program helps students pick up skills in domains like product, marketing, leadership, finance, general management, and subsequently helps them find job opportunities within India's growing startup ecosystem. The startup is backed by marquee operators and investors like Gagan Biyani of Udemy, Vaibhav Domkundwar of Better Capital, Ankur Nagpal of Teachable, Paki McCormick from Not Boring, John Danner of Dance Capital, and Richakar of Zivame among others. In this episode, Aditya talks about his past experience as an edtech entrepreneur. meeting his co-founder raj and stumbling upon the idea of building stoa the value proposition of stoa's program building community as a moat the fundraising philosophy at stoa leveraging investors in the 0 to 1 phase the importance of aligning incentives of internal teams with the broader vision of the company as you scale the business and more i absolutely enjoyed this freewheeling chat with aditya and i hope you enjoy this conversation too so without much ado Let's jump in and find out what Aditya has to share. Hey Aditya, welcome to the VC Prana podcast. Thank you so much for taking out the time. Hey Dikshay, good to good to be here and like uh, really thankful to you to invite me. Uh looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. Likewise Aditya. Uh you know for our listeners who don't know you yet, uh, maybe we can start with a brief background about yourself. you know tell us about your path leading up to stoa uh i graduated from iim bangalore in 2013 and i tech entrepreneur for 10 years now spent 6 years you know fighting it out in the k12 world so as to say right like the early schooling middle schooling part of it uh, and uh, had my share of failures and paid my dues <laughs> and then uh, stoa sort of happened so stoa has been uh, you know last 20 months or so awesome and you know probably if you could expand upon that what was your previous experience and were there some insights from that experience or learnings from that experience itself that led to you know the genesis and the idea behind stoa uh so one of the things that surprises me right is uh, even after graduating from a b school how little did i know about building a business i made a bunch of mistakes right like about getting market wrong getting user research wrong and now in hindsight it feels like are i was a idiot right like spent two years uh, building something in the wrong direction or building in the wrong market so the first company was learning outcomes which is a b2b edtech company selling assessment analytics schools and you know you feel like oh schools is such a big market and education is such a big market and so many you know millions of millions of students and i have this analytics product right like instead of an external assessment i could build an analytics layer on top of the existing assessments that students are taking and like create these in uh, reports into insights about their learning their remedy needs so build that business it was just two people right like in 2013 14 was a very different time to build we raised something like 25 lakhs and that that was like really crazy at that time i remember morpheus to run a accelerator and they would give something like 5 lakh rupees for 5% of the business or something like you know very different times 
um, but were able to build a revenue generating business with just two co-founders. We had one employee at that time. She was remote. We largely worked off Skype. Uh, so very different times really. And then uh, we managed to find a buyer, uh, you know, because um, they had, I mean, we had product, but we were not really good at uh, building a sales team, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the product was revenue generating. So we found a buyer uh, and that's how I executed the first business. The second one, then I uh, took a break, got married and like, you know, then again, the uh, there was itch, let's do something. And we started along with a pediatrician friend of mine. I started this company called Baby on Board. And the idea was to track, you know, health and educational milestones in the early years, zero to five years. And, uh, you know, went about building that for about 12, 15 months. Now, the interesting part there was we ourselves were not parents. So we had no idea about like, you know, uh, what the early years look like and uh, where can users spend their time, etc. And we did shadow a few of our friends and all of that. I think that is the most idiotic I have felt in my life, right? Like uh, in hindsight, right? Like because the user research or the way we went about it was so wrong. And we were riding that whole hype. If you see 2016, there were a bunch of companies that were basically triple C, right? Like content, community, commerce, right? Like or we'll start with content, build community around it, and then we will monetize it. I think most of companies from that era are dead, right? Like, and I, I consider myself fortunate. He basically realized in 18 months instead of fighting for five years and then realizing, oh, this is not going anywhere. Company was acquired by Round Glass. Uh, they wanted the team, especially Rakesh and me, who was my co-founder. I joined them, created India's first uh, social emotional well-being curriculum for three class three to nine. Worked with one of Jay Krishnamurti's students and, uh, you know, and he was working in Madan Palli for 10 years, writing about these emotions that children go through and how can you help them, you know, realize those emotions and help them manage them better, etc, etc. And then Round Glass was a corporate of sorts. Uh, so build that curriculum, sold it to schools in Punjab. Then I was there for about a year and a half. And I started store at the peak of pandemic, right? Like just about, it was not even called store back then. It was called Questo. Started as a teenager well-being company, running a cohort-based course for teenagers, actually. And this was peak pandemic. I started it uh, and immediately the first lockdown started. And then your school moved online, your coaching classes moved online, your coding classes moved online. And then emotional well-being was really bottom of the... <laughs> Stack, right? Like amongst all of this, instead of fight, like trying to convince people that, you know, this is, this could be really valuable. It actually became an issue of time. Uh, and if, if I have to summarize all my learnings from those eight years, right, whether you're selling to schools or parents, anything that is related to children, it ultimately comes down to share of time and share of wallet because children have limited time in their life and then they have Back in school, uh, you know, coaching, uh, maybe going for, a, you know, some badminton classes, table tennis classes, all of that. So irrespective of what you're trying to sell, you are ultimately fighting for share of time. Uh, and then Stoa happened because right about the time I started building the teenager well-being thing, I met Raj uh, on Twitter. Uh, we were part of this uh, founder network called Transcend Network. He was cohort one, I was cohort two. 
and we started jamming and he was running this coding bootcamp uh, called Nova Semita and he was also struggling with the whole pandemic effects and you know hiring freezes and all of that and uh, I think you know we had a lot of common I mean we were we are from same college although a few years apart second both of us had tried you know our hands in alternate learning and K-12 and burnt our fingers uh, so as to say he had burnt his fingers with Nova Semita in the college market right like so 17 to 21 and then it was like hey, we don't want to do like 0 to or K-12 which is like up to 17 7 to 21 we know that is another like dead end so the only thing probably makes sense is people who want to spend money on themselves and want to invest they don't want to sell it to parents schools you know people who don't have money and then store happened i mean that that's an interesting story in itself interesting to see that so many insights you've gathered right over the last eight nine years uh being close to the tech you know industry overall in in different ways and how you you know ultimately come down to Stoa? If you could talk more about uh, you know how did you decide Raj is the right co-founder? Uh, you know, or this is the right team for you to build this. Of course, you all both had you know interesting experiences in edtech. What were you over-indexing on, and how do you decide you know this is the right team? Couple of things there, right? Like Alberto at Transcend was a common thread because Raj was very good friends with Alberto, and uh, I had become very good friends with Alberto during my Transcend time. We had a common friend. It was not just Twitter. Second, I think we were also, both of us were at a phase in our own company's journey where we could not see like what is going to happen three months down the line. So there was that need to pivot to like, you know, or find something new. And our initial idea was, hey, let's just start jamming and see if, you know, we could come up with something. The good thing was during this time, I had raised a small round of funding from founders I knew. It was just purely based on the will give money to Aditya, right? Like, I don't think they believed in that teenager well-being thing. So it was like, you know, there was some monetary comfort that like, you know, there is some money to experiment. We just said like, let's jam, let's see. Um, And then the jamming, like, you know, it then became about, okay, like both of us understand learning. We both of us understand community building. I was trying to do that for, for teenagers. He was doing that for college. He had a bunch of side projects you know, you are fund and Prex Club and uh, all of those things which were essentially community plays. Uh, so we basically said, hey, we understand learning communities. And the first thing was, why don't we just build a productized service around this? Like, let's help others build their learning community. And we worked with a bunch of very different personas, right? Like we worked with a MasterChef Australia contestant, helping him build community around Indian food yoga entrepreneur in uh, Bangalore, helping her build a learning community for yoga trainers who wanted to build yoga business. We worked with a bunch of teachers like during pandemic times to help them create their own coaching class online. And ultimately what we realized is this is not going to work, right? Like we were, I mean, I think we realized within like the first 45 days that this is not going to work. Scalability? Scalability then... The other problem was, see, anybody who is not a full-time facilitator or teacher or who doesn't derive their primary income, for them, this is like the third, fourth thing. And then, you know, they are not going to commit to this full-time, which means that whole, you know, building the brand, building that this course is going to run on time and people are going to be professional about it. It becomes very difficult. The other insight, at, especially with that, is people will only pay good amount of money 
for things that have some sort of economic value. Like people are not going to pay for a lot of personal hobby classes and stuff that doesn't have economic outcome. For example, oh, you can build a learning community for people who are interested in economics or history, but it is very difficult to make money out of that community, right? Like especially if you're doing it full time. So our one learning was professional communities will make money. The second that, I, I mean, the insight actually came out of that yoga con yoga conversation we had because this lady told us, Aditi, you know, there are so many yoga trainers and they don't know how to build business. They don't know how to price their time, right? They don't know how to build their brand, how to create a brand voice, brand tone. And she was using these words and I was like, these are very MBA-ish words, right? Like, uh, what is the brand voice? How many group classes should you do? And how should you price them? And how should you price your one-to-ones? And how do you build funnel from group to one-to-1? And I was like, hey, this is interesting. And uh, at that time, we were jamming with John, uh, John Tanner uh, of Dance Capital. He ended up being investor in Stoa much later. And then John was very excited by this MBA for X idea, right? Like our insight was a lot of people need business education, but they don't need MBA. Uh, and that is where that MBA for X and John wrote a very interesting blog on Medium about it later. And then we went down the rabbit hole, like what are all the personas who might need business education, but not MBA? We spent a bunch of time on built with on like Facebook groups, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We wrote down a bunch of personas, right? Like Shopify store owners, they need help with branding and inventory management. Church leaders in US, they need uh, you know, uh, some education with uh, financing and how do you manage cash flows and how do you increase revenues. Uh, 33% of PCPs in US are private practitioners. So they run a clinic, they don't work at a hospital. So they need to know how to work with insurance players and negotiate contracts. So we wrote down a bunch of personas and then we realized, hey, all of these personas only have depth in US. <laughs> like uh, India, it's, it, the depth isn't there in these personas. Like, you know, you're on Shopify. Amazon has a program for sellers, you know. Shopify also has a program, but these are very superficial programs, right? Like uh, in some sense. Uh, and then it was another dead end, right? Like I, we really thought that we, we had figured out this user need, MBA for X and uh, these personas. And I remember one conversation with John where, you know, we went in with in the conversation, like feeling, hey, like we don't want to build this. We have never been to US. Like I can't build for US consumers sitting here, right? An education play. And then the next day, I just called up Raj and I said, like forget all of this why don't we just do an alternative mba right and we had looked at seth Gordon and how alt mba was a thing you know we had uh, by that time looked at power mba um uh, jolt in uh, uk you know and we could see quantic in us and we could see that there was this need for alternative mba or at least people were trying it not that all of these companies have massively scaled or anything but it seemed like there is something here and then we again went on the whole user research bit, right? Like, I think Raj then tweeted saying, hey, we are thinking of something like this. We did about 150 calls with all sorts of diverse personas. Um, I did a demo class on Portus Five Forces. Uh, that was the first time I was teaching adults. Uh, and we, like, you know, we had these 60, 70 people who were turned out on a random Zoom call. 
we put them in a breakout room and basically said hey why don't you analyze ride sharing industry and apply focus five forces model to it and like there was a 10 minute introduction to what is five forces and then we just put these five strangers in a breakout room and ask them to work on an excel and analyze like potus five forces it it was interesting and after that class i actually got confidence hey like this is interesting because we got some interesting feedback uh, about i did not know this so this could be very interesting and that is how then stoa happened so a very scrappy start uh, you know not afraid to experiment and uh, go down rabbit holes you know to discover what what is it that you really want to build and scale from here very interesting we can talk about the product now you know tell us about uh, you know stoa how would you describe stoa today and what is it that a traditional mba lacks you know that stoa is trying to solve for yeah so in the last 20 months of course stoa has undergone a bunch of iterations but if there is one line that i want to uh, sort of you know now we the way we look at stoa it's a professional charter for business operators who are building their careers in product marketing or bizops uh, that is it is very similar to a cfa how cfa is for finance professionals right uh, so this is a professional charter for business operators and in terms of value prop basically our understanding is mba is a bundle of four things yeah uh, one there is learning and upskilling and all of that then there is networking and community which is the second part of the bundle the third part of the bundle is long term signal if you see i am from harvard stanford i am it carries some long term value right it is uh, <clears throat> unlike a lot of cbc kind of stuff and we started as a cbc where you know it very short term right like uh, you don't signal to the outside world that i am from or at least over long term that i am from this place so mba is that long term signal and the fourth is it of course allows people to uh shift the orbit of their careers right like there is a step up function uh so mba is bundle of those four things uh, you know that that is our understanding and in stoa is essentially offering the same four things but in a different uh format so mba is very heavy on entry gate right so you filter people at entry gate so an imb will take about 500 people and isb would take about 800 people and they would take people by filtering them at the entry gate and then you know because they are only taking in 500 or 1000 people they have to charge a, a large amount and they have to charge 25 30 40 lakhs for the model to make sense uh whereas stoa we have moved the and the signaling by the way comes from mtg right it comes from your cat score and uh, it comes from your gmat score and what not right whereas we just moved that gate at the exit at stoa which means people can join in they can do learning they can do upskilling they can network they can build community so the first two parts of the bundle are for everyone but mm-hmm. then you could pass an exam for lack of better word at the exit gate and that is where the signaling sort of comes from that i went through this journey and i earned my charter and for those who earn the charter we now want to very seriously make sure that they land a great career opportunities so we we are able to serve the fourth part of the bundle to everybody who crosses that final hurdle uh, of the charter very interesting it's very similar to like you know how a ca or a cfa works you know there's no entry barrier per se you know to pursue those courses but yeah if you get through those courses it's a big signal that you know you can use uh, in a professional career going forward what are the outcomes that you're focusing on right for the students 
So there are two levels within the charter, right? So L1 or level one is a generalist charter. What we are saying is this person will make for an amazing extra pair of hands on any business team, right? You can then they'll get things done. They can solve problems. And in the market, they'll probably have a compensation range, which is, you know, entry level business roles, which pay fair. And then level two is essentially a specialist charter where we are seeing L2 is either in product or marketing or business, which means you have specific domain knowledge about building products or about building marketing teams or about running large business teams, right? And those are the outcomes that we try to serve through the learning. So if you look at the uh, what goes on inside Stoa, and I, I now say that Stoa is essentially a three-part magic act, right? Like the first part is the training and learning part where we uh, do all these sprints around product, marketing, general management, uh, finance, uh, data analytics, uh, leader here, right? So that is the training and the learning part. Then there is the credentialing part and the credential is designed very similar to a PhD journey, which means for you to pass the exam, it is not an MCQ, but you need to write a business paper and defend it in front of a panel uh, or a jury. Right. Uh, so it's very similar to how PhD works. Uh, and we are building some Chinese works, right? Because uh, there is some conflict of there is some principal agent problem, right? Like if the person who is ensuring training is the same person who is credentialing, then it gets tricky, right? Like that, that is where, for example, grade inflation in India has happened. Right? <laughs> uh, so and then the third part of the act is essentially career services, right? Which is Oh, you have earned the charter, so we know you are competent. Now, uh, let us put you through this process to find your next opportunity. Got it. No, that's very, very helpful. It's, you mentioned community, right? And how you started. The genesis was helping other professionals build their learning communities. You know, if you could talk more about the community aspect and using that as a moat. Because when you go to any college, you know, be it MBA or engineering or any other professional degree that you're trying to achieve, a lot of the learning is from your peers, your time with your uh, trainers or teachers is very limited. So the peers become an important aspect of, you know, overall journey and experience of going through a graduation course. So how is that different at Stoa and how are you using that, you know, as a mode in your business model? So something is very interesting here, right? So when we started our cohort one of Stoa, uh, it was a very tight format, right? It was basically 90 minute class every single day for three months on a trot. And there was literally no breathing space uh, for community to happen or some serendipity to happen. But what ended up happening, because that initial cohort was very small, right? it was just 25 people, and I thought of most of cohort one, we would start the class at 8 o'clock, I would wrap up the formal part of the class at 9.15. And uh, this is a very interesting part of how tools play certain role, right? Uh, I was very much against having a Discord server. And Raj and Raj's uh, team, which had joined from Nova Simita, they had built a Discord server for their learners at Nova Simita back in 2018 or something like that. And they basically convinced me that this is the place we should have our hostel slash community. Uh, but we created that Discord server. And what happened in cohort one is I would wrap up the formal class at 9.15 and then Raj would jump on Discord uh, voice channel and run his own session around what happened in the class and a lot of bakchodi would happen in those discord sessions right like uh, and people just started and this was also covid everybody was at home 
and the first time we felt like something was special is we had this pre christmas party uh, halfway through hot one at 7 7:30 or something like that and that call went on till 5 o'clock in the morning right and these out of these 20 people there were still like eight nine people who were up until 5 o'clock and the discussions were around you know of course careers there were discussions around personal lives about dating about marriage about i mean it, it just flowed right and then at cohort one graduation that same thing happened again and then we sort of decided that we need to create more breathing space within the program design for this to happen a lot more and that is why we moved from that three month design to a six month weekend heavy design and started conducting community nights through weekday evenings um and something very interesting happened along the way it was not planted we did not incentivize it at all but because it was so intense in first cohort and through second cohort and weekends became this intense thing i do think all stoa folks go through some common suffering right like there are these internal cultural uh, understanding that gets built right like our cohort five recently graduated and at the graduation they had this uh, mockumentary that was made on life at stoa right where basically they mocked everything that we do at stoa at graduation that an instructor would say hey like this is what you are supposed to do in breakout room do you understand it and everybody would say yes 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 we understand it and the moment they go into breakout room everybody is asking are did you even get what that was saying so like this common suffering if you can put it that way sort of started building uh, and people started wearing that identity right uh, people started putting stoa in their bio which we did not force somebody or incentivize people to do that and i think there is some memesis right like a few people do it then others want to do it and and then that just happened like that whole identity thing just happened and then from cohort one it sort of became a thing that people would meet offline uh, without stoa organizing it and then from cohort three i think even something like you know now people have a graduation party in goa again all of this is self organized right like we did not plan for it so you know you can't be very intentional and like very engineering minded about designing a community right like you can only do few things right and then it just takes care of itself and it's interesting because you've not spent money on marketing yet if i'm right i mean so far and and that looking at that community and the organic you know promotion that the alum is doing or the uh, stones are doing that kind of you know uh, gets that flywheel going where you don't have to spend on marketing but people are coming aditya shifting gears now uh, you know want to talk about the fundraising aspect and and the fundraising philosophy at stoa you know you've approached venture building uh, as we've discussed earlier in a very different way no rush to you know raise or burn capital uh, you know if you could expand upon that and you know walk us through how you look at fundraising you know from your perspective as a founder uh your the challenges for us especially from a venture fund aspect of things has always been the again frequent questions around time and like you know where is the tech in this and uh, you know and to be very honest i mean we we have in the initial days i would sort of have an answer and that answer was just a mba project right like in some sense right? like you wing it right like you write something that seems to make sense but you are not really sure whether it will get executed 
I mean, even the funding that happened last year was very interesting. And that happened because of that whole community thing. Yeah. So Nitin uh, came for our cohort three inaugural. Nitin Kamat. And uh, I think he liked the vibe of that 45-minute conversation where our cohort were just coming in and the questions and all of that. And then two, three days later, he uh, DM'd me and said, hey, are you guys paying people to put store in their bio? And I basically said, no, we are not paying anybody. And he was like, why are people putting this up? And then that conversation sort of started and then Rain Matter, which is the investment firm, they came into picture and then the round just fell in place, yeah. So we haven't typically, I mean, we haven't raised from a VCVC as yet, right? Like no institutional money in store as of yet. Uh, and I think, uh, see, with tech roles, it is pretty easy to see how much the demand is, right? Whereas if you look at the non-tech or business roles, that is still a fraction of the overall tech market. So one question that we have always gotten, uh, and this is where, you know, where consumers and VCs could be up, far apart, right? Is, hey, are there enough tech roles or will you be able to ensure career outcomes for all the people who join store? And then you come inside the program and like, you know, less than 25% of our learners even expect a job out of store. And Raj and me, we like, you know, frequently joke that the only way to get people serious about a career transition out of store is to actually increase prices, right? Because... And that, that's a story that I've heard from so many higher ed, ed tech plays, yeah, that people are not very serious about career transition. Like if you go to an upgrade or I don't know about great learning, but the percentage of people who would seriously prepare for a career transition across tech plays is less than 25-30%. But your VC question is always if you're going to have n number of people in the program, would you be able to get n number of people in jobs? The fact is only n by three people are going to be my denominator. So that is one very interesting learning for me, right? Like in terms of time where VC perspectives and consumer perspectives could be uh, far apart. And now I could possibly say that like, you know, the question we were getting asked in our cohort one, cohort two times were fair questions. It's no doubt, right? Like, if, but we are also now thinking do we really need it? Because I mean, capital we haven't really done anything. So first I need to figure out how to buy that capital and grow faster. Um, because see, all that tech plays, what is interesting is you get paid first, you know, unless I mean, there are people who do uh, income share agreements and all of that. But the beauty of some of these tech models is you invest, let's say 50 rupees in acquisition, you are going to get paid 150 or 200 bucks a month or two later. And then all your actual teaching expenses, everything is spread over next six, nine months. From a cash flow perspective, it's a beautiful model as long as you are able to build that sort of uh, demand. There is demand, yeah. Back is not too high. Uh, but with Charter, I think we have solved that question in some way, right? Because we know that not everybody who will start pursuing the Charter will actually clear, clear the credentialing level layer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that has been my learning, right? Like it takes, I mean, if we we had tried to find VC answers two years back when we started, I don't think we would have gotten anywhere. It actually took us about 18, 20 months to find a scaling answer for ourselves, forget everyone else. And we are happy that we gave ourselves that time, right? Like if we had tried to rush it or like, you know, try to 
uh, wing it or find a shortcut, we would have actually done ourselves this service. Yeah, it's interesting. It talks about the fundraising philosophy, right, at Stoa. Because um, if you start getting into that venture scaling game, you're trying to solve for how do you get the best outcomes for your investors and how can I raise that next round versus trying to solve for how can I scale this company and continue building this for the next 10 years. Yeah, it it has actually changed what I teach within Stoa as well, right? Like, um, especially what we learned through building Stoa's process that all got, got built into our curriculum. And I would, if the TAN class that I did at Hot One, I would probably say the same thing, right? Like, oh, you need this big TAM and that is how you should start. And uh, if you're not building in a large enough space, you won't get anywhere. You know, very prescriptive sort of teaching. Whereas I now, I would, if I were to do the same class today, I would probably be open to the possibility that uh, people will discover a user insight in the process of building rather than starting with an insight and then validating whether there is a big market or not. Yeah, I think it, it talks about, you know, how why it's important to choose your investors wisely uh, and having clarity and communication, you know, between the two parties here because there shouldn't be an expectation mismatch because then you're trying to solve for, you know, for a different... You're trying to solve for the investor, but uh, ideally you should be solving for your customer. And I think that and the, that philosophy kind of answers, you know, uh, tells you why it's important to have that clarity and the right set of investors on your cap table. You know, talking about these investors, right? Um, you have a bunch of uh, super angels and uh, it was almost like a community round that happened. You know, you have investors even from US, uh, but very good investors. How How do you think about leveraging you know, this group of investors that have backed you at a very early stage, uh, how do you leverage them at Stoa? Yeah. So two investors who have really like, you know, uh, I would say given us a lot of their time is one is Weber from Better, right? Like, and he came in even before Stoa, right? He came in at Questo time. And uh, you asked me about how, do you, how did you get to the co-founder relationship? Weber actually vetted Raj, right? Like he did a formal interview process with Raj once I said that, uh, you know, we are deciding... So Bebo has given us a lot of time and the good thing is because he's like, you know, almost, I mean, he's one of the uh, best seed funds or micro seed funds. Absolutely. He has a bird's eye view of the whole ecosystem and like, you know, so he knows what is happening at NextWave, he knows what is happening at Skilllink, right? These are all his investing companies as well. And then that, that also allows us to, for example, learn from Surya or Rahul, right? So whoever has been really helpful. The other is John, right? Like John uh, Danner. Now uh, we spent 30 minutes with him earlier. We used to do that every week. Now we do that alternate weeks. But every time I have had a conversation with him, I have come out on the other side feeling we have saved three months of some iteration, right? Because he also has seen journeys of Lambda and a bunch of these other tech companies in US. And the advice is super useful, right? Like the initial meetings we had with John, we would always go in and basically talk about how we are making changes on the program side and like how excited we are by the curriculum and what we are doing in the program. And at one point he said, Alti, you should just stop talking about programming. Just tell me what you're doing on the marketing side because there is no end to how much changes you can make on the program side and it gives you a false sense of progress because your program is getting better. But ultimately, you have to figure out how are you going to sell it to uh, the market. For us, these conversations with John and Weber uh, have, been, have been really helpful. 
the other thing is you don't want too many people also advising because then you get into uh, yeah. this sort of this person is saying this and this person is saying that all of that these two people have been really helpful of course ankur gagan gagan especially with uh, you know his uh, his experience at maven udemy so we keep touch basing uh, but with these two people especially we almost have a cadence uh, in terms of when how much we talk yeah very interesting and it's almost like you know you can uh, clean through the learnings that they've had either through their investments uh, or through their own experiences uh, and you have a lot of operator investors on the cap table which you know kind of uh, reflects of you know why and how you can leverage them you know as you scale this forward one one more point before i move on i am just coming to my mind especially when you don't have a board right or external board members these conversations could be like you know these are the only people who are going to call you on your bullshit but like i i think they have played that role really well yeah it's almost like a pseudo board right like if you don't have a formal board in place at the early stages which you know also talks about the importance of having a board even though it's an early stage at a startup it could be a formal or an informal one but having those conversation and having that sounding board is helps you a lot all right so that was fundraising uh, other they're talking about venture building right and you spoke one of the challenges of scaling any edtech company or scaling any company for that matter is getting that flywheel running of getting your customers in providing them that value and them seeing that value uh, eventually outside the program to be able to refer other people to come into the system so in, in stoa's case you know it's almost like students educators and jobs you're trying to solve for all three and trying to make a flywheel out of it so how did you approach you know that dynamic at stoa because that's kind of a very important dynamic that feeds into you know scaling up and seeing those net network effects as you go into subsequent cohorts yeah so we have taken a very sequential approach to uh, solving this right so when we started of course we wanted to solve for consumer side of demand and that is where we focused first first 12 15 and we continue to focus there on the supply side because we always sold as stoa and not in any individual facilitator's name we have had a bunch of people who work with us on and off and it, you know these are operators who teach uh, and we build backups and so on and so forth the other good aspect of the program was earlier because it was a structured curriculum of only about 15 18 sprints the only supply we needed was like about 10 people right who could spare a weekend a month or something like that and it is only now that we are expanding the program offering and we are aggressively going and building the supply only after we have figured out what kind of supply we want how to onboard them how to engage them how to work out the commercials so on and so forth right so the second part of the facilitator supply we are only scaling it now the educators the educators now the third aspect which is jobs i still think that you know we because we were early still early in our journey about 650 people have been through the program about 100 people even opted into our career services now that part the careers part it in itself is a company right and i'll tell you one it is a it is almost like a marketplace right so you need enough pool of candidates like if i have three people for a role no hr i can't convince an hr to come and do like a one day process right so i need enough pool of candidates which means my demand has to scale and i need to have that throughput for enough candidates to be in the uh, candidature pool second there need to be enough companies because these candidates also have their own aspirations and their own preferences fintech edtech product marketing 
so there needs to be enough uh, number of companies participating and then you need an efficient process and the benchmark that i have here is the iim process right so if you are in campus you will clear the amazon interviews in a day and you will get your offer in a day the moment you step outside of the campus it is a two month process in that two month process if you are running it for 5 6 10 companies it is not a very pleasant thing for the candidate because you often get ghosted or if a candidate gets offer the comp- like he, he or she will ghost the company and etc etc so that career side to get the marketplace flywheel going and you need enough pool of candidates you need enough companies hiring and then you need a hiring process that you can control as an institution and i think we'll probably get there in next 6 to 12 months right like uh, the other thing about education is just the long cycles right like if i decide to do something it takes about 9 months for me to see whether it is working or not especially with the current program design so i think the third part we will only get there in about yeah 9 months or so i love the clarity and you know the awareness that you have uh, as a founder and and being so transparent about it you know you, you're not uh, trying to like you said you know wing it for the sake of it but that also shows how much uh, you've studied the industry you know before you were making your choices and before you're making the next move so you know as you scale up right aditya as a founder what are you most cautious about uh-huh. so see i mean i am worried a lot about input right because ultimately the store experience uh, is about what kind of people we hire and do they uh, you know do they demonstrate consumer empathy do they understand uh, you know because corporatization and we have seen that happen bunch of times right like it is very easy to go back to doing things because everyone does it the same way i mean a lot of our conversation between raj and me are actually about internal org design and org structure and what kind of people do we want to hire and like you know we made our own mistakes <laughs> like not that we haven't done it so a lot of thinking is about that right? like uh, the good thing is along the journey we have found some exceptional leaders who have basically just you know freed our mind space from a bunch of things right like so for example manoj who joined very early on and is you know has been a co-founder literally uh, he takes care of the whole program delivery sukita joined us from bokoni she now takes care of the whole marketing uh, thing which means these are things that we really don't have to like you know spend our day to day time with yeah and it is very easy to like you know just keep start doing things that everyone else is doing for example the simplest thing right uh and we have so many debates around this. should we do outbound calls or not stoas brand so far as we we haven't called anybody saying hey are you interested in the program and like you know would you join this and that should we do that like somebody drops a uh lead on that should we call him up right like the marketing team is going to basically say yes 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 we're going to grow karna hai this that right and then raj would be like no we should not call people right like because then we just Uh, and then when does where does this end we should create more pool so let's figure out where and then you i mean my job then often times is finding the middle ground right like okay we can't be calling everyone but let us at least call people who have come to the program information call yeah uh, and then let us also invest in content because we want pool and then it's just that dance right like yeah it's finding alignment right and uh, alignment to the broader vision uh, you know that 
you want to build towards because you're right you know the marketing team will have their own agenda and the way to, to measure success you know internally uh, as a, as a department itself sales will have their own uh, ways of measuring success but ultimately it's about the alignment uh, and clarity uh, that comes top down uh, as you scale up for example sales right sales incentives we don't have any sales incentives for the sales team and i actually learned this from eruditus i don't think eruditus because the problem with that tag is the moment you layer it like you know uh, incentive on selling a program yeah that person is going to promise sun and moon to the person who is evaluating here a 2x job like what not right like they don't care baad mein wo program ke 6 9 mahine baad wo nikalne wala who cares so uh, yeah lot lot of thinking around that amazing i love it just the clarity and and the awareness that comes and it all you know boils down to how much time you've spent looking at the industry overall and uh, uh, just the overall thinking and wiring as a founder you know that defines how you're building and scaling this up i also think it phase yeah like if you're spoken to me by months back i would probably not have the same kind of clarity and maybe 6 months down the line i won't have it again given whatever happened <laughs> right so adit if you if you were to you know talk about stoa 5 years from now uh, so i i think at least now the picture is pretty clear right like we want to take the charter global uh goal here is if we could uh convince 50000 uh, to about a lakh people to pursue the charter and about 20% land up at l1 and l2 and we are able to ensure career outcomes for you know at least 60 70% of people who opt in or 100% if they opt in uh that is where the company needs to be the charter design is pretty clear you know what we are teaching is very clear how we are credentialing is pretty clear and then i still need to figure out the career marketplace uh, side of thing and uh, so if we could take it to few geos have these numbers you know have these 10000 20000 stoa l1s l2s coming out and uh, creating impact at their workplaces i think uh, that should be really good that 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 would be really cool right like uh like organizations literally i mean if we could get that he like we are looking for mba preferred or stoil to prefer or something like that both of those things on jds that that would be really cool awesome love it uh all right aditya you know with that we'll uh, move into our final segments been a great free willing conversation so far we'll jump into a rapid fire you know i'll shoot some questions and uh, hope to get your honest immediate thoughts on the same sure sure go ahead all right uh one thing that you'd like to change to improve the state of the indian startup ecosystem today okay interesting um i would say uh, there is a depth right at the top of the market we need a lot more education for people to understand how to evaluate ideas what ideas are fundable there is a lot of ness based on what people read in newspapers or your story uh and I don't think we can have a Y combinator like thing in India today, just because there isn't enough tofu of good ideas getting chased. If you had to give a TED talk, what topic would you choose and why? Uh, we have actually spoken about this. The topic that I would talk about is professional hygiene, uh, and this is a term I I think we came across on Twitter, some corner of it, and then we have started talking a lot about it. But I think most people in India just lack it, right? Like. how you write emails uh, how you communicate in advance about like you know what is supposed like whatever is like you know, if you're submitting not submitting or doing something or not doing something 
turning up on time uh the whole professional hygiene bit like i think that's a massive alpha if there are two things that like you know will provide do give people alpha in their career so one is english which is uh, pretty obvious and then the second is professional hygiene but most people just don't know had you not been running stoa today uh, you know which other indian startup would you like to lead okay that's an interesting one i'm not sure whether i would like to lead but i would really want to work for a saas company right like what rocket lane is building or what o slash is building this whole consumerized saas uh, kind of thing that really intrigues me i don't know much about it but yeah these companies would be very interesting vcs and founders from the startup ecosystem that you admire and look up to um i like axel people a lot right we were part of founder stack and have always find them to be very nice uh, people webo of course webo has been immensely helpful kushal um, all in capital now these people are massively helpful and lastly zerodha right like uh, rain matter i mean i think these are the nicest people to have yeah <laughs> uh it was very smooth it was a one hour conversation and they were they were not asking us right? like they were basically taking again a bet on us and uh, it was no fights about allocation they said right? like you know whatever round is filled left we will fill it in you tell us uh, so these i mean these are the people i have interacted with and they have been super nice how has being a founder influenced you know your personality over the years uh, how has that influence changed you as a person i think i have become a lot more patient right like and i'm a lot more aware about my own uh, i would say how i lead i hope that i have become more patient uh, better leader more better at regulating emotions over the years this has been uh, you know an amazing conversation aditya uh, loved it and any final thoughts you know uh, before we wrap up for both current and aspiring uh, founders that are listening to you through the podcast uh, i had written this line somebody told me when i started so I, i don't believe your own bullshit just find people who will call you on your bullshit and will keep you real and funding is not the ultimate success right the ultimate success is building a business and it you would probably take few detours to get there i mean one of the reasons we are still here after two years or so is we allowed ourselves that time to you know think like think like a vc funded founder or anything like that uh so sometimes it takes people more time right like you can't be there on day one awesome again aditya thanks for taking out the time like i said it's been a pleasure uh, having this discussion and uh, wish you all the best with uh, you know all things to her thank you thank you digjay i love the conversation you know It, it it has given me couple of threads that i would like to take back and reflect on uh, them right so thank you for all the questions and keeping it very casual really appreciate uh, you inviting me thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the vc bruno podcast if you enjoyed this episode please let our guest know about it share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. This will help others discover the podcast. To get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. 
You can find all episodes together on our website, thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VC Brunor that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.